0: What's the account takeover outlook for 2013? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm discussing this topic today with Ken Baylor. He's a Research VP with NSS Labs. Ken, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Ken, to start out, I wonder if you might tell us a little bit about yourself and your own banking and security experience, please.
1: Sure. I currently serve with NSS Labs as the Research VP. Uh, previously, I was Vice President of Anti-Fraud Strategy and Emerging Threats over at Wells Fargo. Before that, I served as the Chief Information Security Officer at Nuance and also at Symantec. Primarily, I focus on bank security, IT security, and regulatory compliance, and I regularly speak at industry events like RSA, Black Hat, Bloomberg Enterprise Risk, and, of course, FSISAC.
0: So, Ken, the industry has been talking about account takeover pretty steadily for nearly four years now. Give us a baseline. What do you see as the state? of account takeover today. And what type of malware are we seeing and what damage do you see it doing?
1: Well, we're still seeing Zeus and its various forms lead the pack. Zeus is by far the best platform for stealing money from banks and it compromises multi-factor authentication very easily. It's caused hundreds of millions of dollars in bank losses worldwide. Now, with the leak of the Zeus 2.0 source code in summer 2011, we've seen a major proliferation of malware stemming from this presumed stolen source code uh, so a lot of different groups have taken the code and tried to create their own new versions. ICE 9 was one of the first variants, and it caused a major problem for banks initially because it was difficult to detect. But we called in the greater anti-malware security community, and within a few days, we actually had beaten it. One of the things the banks have done to to fight Botnet is we've gone after the command and control servers of Zeus uh, with Microsoft and also on our own many times. Uh, these are command and control servers They control the Zeus infections themselves, and they're also where the data stolen from the devices are dumped. So once we gain access to them, we can see what was stolen. Banks can reissue credit cards or contact the infected people, let them know they're infected. And this worked very well for a while. But what happened in the last eight months, a new version called Zeus 3 or Zeus Game Over came out, and it made it just much harder to find those command and control structures the so one thing you'll kind of hear as a general theme from banking and malware is this is a cat and mouse game where we're constantly slowly escalating with so a slow progression rather than a rapid escalation. We go after them, they get a little bit better, they beat us for a while, we go after them and, and on and on it goes. One of the bigger threats that's out there right now is this thing called Citadel. Citadel is derived from Zeus, so adding a lot of powerful new features that make account takeover easy. One of them is what we call the video grabber. And the video grabber actually records your keyboard and mouse movements when you interact with their malware. So they can see you as you sort of read through their phishing form and see where you hesitate. Then they literally take this back as a quality or the QA control and they re-engineer their malware to make that phishing page more realistic and so it will have a higher conversion rate and will be more profitable to them. Another thing which is very interesting about the Citadel malware is their language detection capabilities. The Citadel fraud crew is based in Russia, and they do not want to attract the attention of the FSB, which is their version of the FBI. So if Citadel malware detects the language on the infected device or on the bank is Russian, it deactivates. So that stops them from attacking Russian nationals or Russian banks and keeps them safe from too much national attention. So they've definitely learned their lesson. We're going after a high-value target and trying not to be arrested. We've seen things such as SpyEye, it's come and gone. Banks can more easily detect it now, and it's no longer under active development. But two more areas which are concerning is mobile malware is definitely growing. We've got Zeus, SpyEye, and Citadel all have mobile smartphone components called Zipmo, Spitmo, and Kitmo, respectively. Banks in Europe have been attacked a lot by these. So what they've done is they've focused on sending out-of-band communications to your phone. So they'll either send an SMS message that you must type in that number to validate the transaction, or they use a thing called MTANs over there, which is a mobile transaction authentication number, which is pretty much a number you enter in to validate a transaction. That goes to your phone. Now, what frauds has happened at that point was they had to figure out, well, how do I infect people's phones? Because what they wanted to do is get their hands on those numbers. And they have come up with, you know, Fitmo, Zitmo, and Spitmo which is actually part of the infection on your desktop PC. What it does is it links your phone number to them and it forwards all incoming SMS messages from banking institutions only to the fraudster. So what actually happens is the bank believes that you've got your transaction number and it definitely must be you, but you never actually get to see it. So all mobile phones right now are susceptible except the Apple ones. However, I really believe that once there's enough financial incentive no smart device will be safe. Uh, And one final thing I want to talk about, which I've seen, which is quite interesting, is fraudsters are now going back to targeting bank executives. So they're actually phishing them directly. They hope to infect inside the bank, and then once they're inside the bank, they can probe for weaknesses. So it's much more like an APT-type scenario. And they also want to be able to impersonate the executives so they'll be able to send emails as them, see all their documents, That can give them access to privileged data. So there's definitely a lot happening.
0: So, Ken, we've seen some high-profile court cases in the past couple of years. I'm thinking of Experimental, Patco, certainly, which settled this past year. These are the ones that we see. But what types of incidents are occurring that we don't see? Well, Patco
1: and the companies that appear in litigation have two main characteristics. One, they've received major financial loss due to malware. And two, the bank has decided to not reimburse. These tend to be actually the tip of the iceberg. There's actually 11 steps you've got to go through to get money stolen from your account, including getting infected, being able to move money from your account. You have to have ACH or wires, which is a rapid way of moving money from your bank account. That has to occur. You have to have money mules ready. It's actually very, very complex. And there's also things such as when money moves from your bank, it has to go to a money mule. The money mule has to actually get there and pull the money out, and if the bank is fast and it detects the fraud, it can freeze that money. So, And when that money even is pulled out, it has to be cashed and then sent overseas. There are many, many steps along the way. There's actually 11 steps, and if any one of those is broken, it doesn't happen. So if you're actually looking for how many malware attempts, how many times money is moved, it's a lot more than anything you've ever heard on the litigation front.
0: Now, one of the things that we saw in 2011 was the advent of the FFIEC authentication supplement. How has institutions' conformance to this guidance impacted account takeover?
1: Well, the FFIEC guidance has definitely caused banks to focus on account takeover. Now, there are a wide spectrum of banks we're looking at, and many in the top ten already have strong anti-fraud programs, and they use dozens of detection mechanisms and very, very advanced controls. The problem is when you get down to the regional community banks, there we see a major decline in anti-fraud expertise. Many of the smaller banks don't write their own software but use platforms for third parties. And the problem is sometimes those third-party platform vendors don't play well with our security vendors. Um, I've actually seen situations where banks have carried out great due diligence, purchased a strong anti-fraud solution to meet the FFIC guidance, only to be rebuffed by their platform vendor saying they won't implement it. Generally, the guidance doesn't raise the bar at the cutting edge of malware Because every single control it mentions can be beaten by this. But the guidance itself acknowledges that. For large banks, it encourages them to have layered and disparate controls to make it harder for malware to succeed. And for smaller banks, which have had, which have quite honestly been the cash cows for malware, it serves as a great wake-up call. For some of the smaller banks, two or three hits of of Zeus and the whole bank goes out of business. So in their cases, InfoSec has been primarily focused on assisting IT with compliance needs but this actually changes them and gets them into the battle against the fraudster. So the FFIC guidance, I would think, is more of a call to action rather than a how-to-beat-the-bad-guys guide.
0: Ken, a few minutes ago, you talked about the advent of mobile malware and talked about the evolution of other account takeover threats. When you look at the threat landscape, what jumps out to you as the top account takeover threats for this year?
1: I think there's really three. I mean, as you said... As you put more trust in mobile devices, from a bank security perspective, we're going to put more risk on them. So some banks trust mobile devices more, others less, and mobile banking software has been, or for fraud, has been available for two years. So I think they're waiting for banks to go to the next level of putting more risk and more trust and more cash-moving abilities on these devices where I think the new malware is already waiting to to go, and they're going to consider it a major cash-out. Second thing is banks themselves are on the target list. So criminals are using botnets and APT-like methods to penetrate banks and steal information. And where they're going to be looking at is what are the fraud, risk engines inside the banks, how are they configured, and how can we avoid detection? So they're aggressively taking the battle inside the banks. And what we'll also see, the third thing is more partnering across the criminal ecosystem. About 30 months ago, we were being hit by the dirt jumper DDoS attacks. Here, Aziz crew would steal money from the bank account, usually over a million dollars, and her colleagues would launch a major DDoS attack, to take the victim bank offline so that nobody would detect the fraud. Some huge banks were actually hit by that, and I think it's the shape of things to come.
0: Well, let's talk about advice to banking and security leaders. You spoke about the FFIEC guidance being a call to action. What are the actions that organizations should take? Where should they invest their time and their money to combat account takeover?
1: I think it's been a great question, especially ever since litigation began. And banks realise they must do more. There's really three areas they should look at. The first is procedure, which is before the account takeover occurs, they should examine which customers are high risk, which ones are single control, which means any one person can send money, which ones are ACH, which one is free form wires, where you can send the money to absolutely anyone without notice. The second thing they should look at is, is when the ATO account itself, or when the account takeover happened which is how do we minimize the losses, how do we disable the accounts, how do we terminate the sessions, and tracking down where the money goes and freezing it. So that would that's the first thing. It's really all about procedure. The second real area to focus on is back end system and these are the fraud detection novel engines. The FSIC wants them. Judge Duggan at NeMI versus Comerica wants them. They can solve many but not all of the account takeover problems. Many cost millions of dollars to implement and integrate. They require expensive staff to tune and can take years to implement that as many banks find, users are not predictable and they can get a lot of false positives, which if they freeze can result in customer loss and them ending up in court. What I really think they should focus on is front-end or customer-facing technologies. And these are plugins or software the bank actually gives to their end customers. The banks have been traditionally fearful of doing this for three reasons. One, they think they're guaranteeing the software will always work, which isn't the case, especially if they carefully word it. Two, they're afraid of blue-screening the devices, and they're worried about support costs. And the third, they're also worried about customer uptake has generally been low unless you really push users into using it. What I have seen is there's been a major price change for solutions in the last 12 months. And together with we focusing on procedure and customer-facing technologies, this really adds value more than any other, and it can be implemented generally within days rather than six months or a year. You know, at NSS Labs, we've focused on four of the leading products and found vast differences between them, between usability, the ability to defeat malware, and the security of the product itself. So I think when you're looking at these devices, price and market share is by no means predictors of value. That's one area where banks need to test the software, and by doing that they'll save themselves a lot of money because the most expensive is definitely not the best, and in the end of the day they'll save their customers from account takeover, which saves everyone a lot of money.
0: Ken, that's great insight. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today. Great, thank you very much. The topic has been account takeover. I've been talking with Ken Baylor, research VP with NSS Labs. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.